Welcome to the Triathlete Hour. This week, we're talking to Angela Nath. And if you don't know, Angela contracted Lyme disease back in 2017. She found herself struggling with crippling pain and debilitating illness. She went from being a pro triathlete to barely being able to walk. But then in 2018, she came back to get eighth at Kona. Angela did her first triathlon at the age of 25 and quickly fell in love. She threw herself into the sport and that was 10 years ago. Here we talk about her journey, her illness, and how she's using this year to go through some intense treatment, why she always has so many projects going on, and why she wants to keep racing forever. We'll include some links and some more info in our show notes. But first up, pro racing in the U.S. is back. Uh, Sort of. Our senior editor, Chris Foster, was at this past weekend's Bear Lake Brawl. It was small, it was a local grassroots race, but it had some big names show up. Is this what pro racing looks like now? Getting back to our roots? And be sure to check out his whole story later this week about how the PTO is funding these small grassroots races backed and organized by local pros. All that after this break. Even though most of us aren't racing right now, we're all still focused on our overall health and well-being. That's where MitoQ comes in. Like everything else in our body, our mitochondria become less efficient as we age. From the age of 30 on, levels of CoQ10 in the mitochondria can decline by 10% with each passing decade. This means our body's natural resilience also declines, which can impact our training, recovery, immunity, digestion, sleep, stress, hormones, and brain power. This is why a new supplement called MitoQ is becoming increasingly popular among athletes. It helps the body to better absorb intense training periods and recover faster. Some athletes have even noted improved VO2 max, heart rate variability, and lactate thresholds. When you combine those things with not needing as long to recover and being able to maintain more intense training cycles, you can see why it might result in performance gains. To learn more about MitoQ's unique formula, independent clinical trials, and athlete testimonials, visit www.mitoq.com. That's M-I-T-O-Q.com. All right, this week we're talking to our senior editor, Chris Foster, who this weekend went to the first pro race back in the U.S., the, what was it, Bear Lake Brawl in Idaho. How was that, yeah. Chris? So Bear Lake Brawl was wild. Like, um... <laughs> First of all, it was in southern Idaho, kind of like a mountainy, lakey area, horrifying conditions. Um, but you mean weather-wise, like, not like yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Oh yeah, yeah, it's just the weather, just the weather. No, it was a beautiful area. Um, but you know, you have a race with 500 people in it. Okay, so this is like a local level race, and you have something like 30 to 40 like legit long course pros lining up on the, I guess, whatever it is, the staggered start line, um, per coronavirus rules. But I mean, you're, they're racing for $20,000 in prize money at a race that like pretty much all of them I talked to. So they hadn't done a local race of the size since they first started in the sport, which is cool. Yeah. I mean, it was like Ben Canute, Sam Long, um, trying to think sky sky munch uh there's like a bunch yep. of pretty big names yeah yeah jocelyn mccauley um danielle dingman who we now know um a little <laughs> better uh who's at metzler um yeah there were a ton of great guys and girls um yeah just descended on this like tiny little 500 person race in you know southern idaho <laughs> so why did i mean this has been happening in a couple places we saw it over in europe um with a few little like local races over there that then got like alistair brownlee some big names lisa norton this past weekend why is this happening like why are we having these like tiny races with these huge pro fields so it's it's so interesting because so what the the pto the pro triathlon organization has done is they're you know they're not they haven't formalized it but the easiest way to explain it is it's like a grant like a prize money grant <laughs> You know, I I mean, they never called it that, but I'm just going to call it that a pro finds a race usually nearby um, that has the distance and more or less the, you know, logistical capability of holding um, a pro race. And then this pro will connect the race director. um, In this case, it was Sky um, and Nick Chase. Um, They connected the race director with the PTO and the PTO basically gives $20,000 in this case. to just put up a prize purse. But the other thing about it is too, it's not just like, Hey, here's some money. Like sky and Nick had to like spend hours and hours making sure that like, you know, the pros, a know this is happening. B, you know, are set up for 
you know, like they have all the things you need to time a pro race and make sure it's like actually like semi pro level. Um, and just, you know, like race meetings and start numbers and all that stuff. So like, there's a lot of work going on, um, from the pro side, which is really cool to see. Um, because you know, it's not just like PTO is like, here's $20,000, like go have fun in Southern Idaho. Um, like the pros have to take a little bit of ownership, you know, they got to get themselves out there. Um, and you know, kind of, uh, Earn they have their to money put on the race. Yeah. They have to organize yeah, it in some yeah. ways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was cool and it was totally like, you know, just like a grassroots thing. But then, yeah, there's $20,000 at the end of the, the finish line or gantry or doorway or whatever, but we'll get into more of that <laughs> in the story that I'm going to be, uh, writing about. <laughs> um, you'll see that later in the week. It is interesting though, that these like like you just said, it's usually like a pro locally, like kind of wants to put on a race because there haven't been races this year, works with the PTO, gets some money. But it is funny how the word's spreading. Like this one in Idaho, we heard about because someone told, like I heard about because someone told me because Sky was texting people to come to the race. And then, you know, people were mentioning it to me in Boulder. It's very grassrootsy. It's like, it's not an official thing at all. <laughs> no, no, totally. And And I feel like, and again, I'll get to this more in the story, but you know, like this race this last weekend was like the year, you know, like everything is just like ad hoc and like, you know, we'll, we'll find out at the last minute. Is it on? Is it off? You know, um, like each pro I talked to one pro was like, yeah, I heard about it three and a half weeks before someone else was like three weeks before someone was like two weeks before. And so now you've got to adjust this, this low hum of training, you know, that you've been doing for six months or not been doing for six months, um, to this like surprise race and just adjust. And then same thing with the conditions on the day. They get wild and horrible. You adjust, you know, and not everyone does. So it, I don't know. It was like, yeah, it was like 2020 in a weekend. <laughs> All wrapped up in it. Everyone was camping. Because the other thing is obviously like co this is not post-pandemic. This is right. during a pandemic. Yeah. COVID's still Just a pandemic. thing. Just pandemic. Um, so I think like everyone was camping more or less. They were like, it was a time trial start. It was all very weird, right? Oh, super weird. Like even the camping situation was very pandemic. It was like, <laughs> I know Sam Long, when he got to the campsite on Thursday, um, he had to like open the gate. Like he, like he literally opened the gate to the first pro race on us soil <laughs> and just like let everyone in. And, you know, like I slept in a tent in the middle of a field and then some trucks pulled up next to me and they slept in their cars and tents and RVs and stuff like that. So totally wild. And most of the pros camped, I think, um, you know, no one's staying in nice hotels. It's just, you know, just trying to get out there and race just like everyone. Really. Right. Right. Um, do you think I am like throwing this at you now? I didn't tell you I was going to do this, but do you think we're going to keep seeing this kind of like grassroots spirit, uh, kind of through the end of this year, next year, or do you think we're all going to go back to big fancy races? There's, I mean, there's no way we can go right back to big races. I think it's going to happen at some point. I mean, I think, I think Cosmo's still on. I, Cosmo's Sweet still on. Ironman Florida right. still happening. Yeah. Right, right, right. right. So you're going to have them. Um, but I think, I think there is going to be at least a transition period through the end of this year and probably at the beginning of next year where everyone's just trying to figure it out. You know, like, like the worst thing that you can really do is say, hey, this race is going on. And then the day before everyone's in town, you say, hey, no, just kidding. It's canceled like that. I think I think that everyone I talked to, all the pros, they said that was the worst case scenario because right. you spent the money, you've done the training, you're out there and, you know, all of a sudden the rug is pulled out from you. So I think, you know, if we want to be smart about it and we want to guarantee that these races will go on, we're going to see more of this grassroots kind of like, you know, run and gun thing where pros find races that for sure can go on because of their location and, you know, lack of hot spots and size of field and, you know, uh, camping, you know, ability and all that stuff. And then just say, Hey, look, can we point some money at this thing? Um, and you know, age groupers followed because, uh, that race last weekend sold out mm -hmm. and I don't know if it's sold out before I have to double check that as I work on the story, but, but I know for a fact it sold out. So, I mean, you know, saying, Hey, pros are going to be at bear Lake brawl did actually have an impact on the rest of the field, which is awesome, which is kind of what it, you know, used to be. That's what pros are supposed to do, right? Like that's exactly. the whole idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you are working on a story about kind of this grassroots pro racing, the return of grassroots pro racing, this PTO thing. We will have a link to it later this week. What is your kind of takeaway? Are we, uh, is this going to save pro racing with all this, this yeah. PTO money? It was super encouraging. I think, I don't know if it'll save pro racing, but I do believe it'll get us to whatever comes next with, you know, the pros still 
in the picture and still important and still racing and, you know, making money and, you know, having livelihoods and being able to call themselves actual pros rather than just, you know, really fast hobbyists who work at, you know, Home Depot part time or something like that. Well, that's like I a think, different think... discussion, <laughs> different yeah. issue. But, but I think it'll bridge. I don't know if it'll change things completely, um, but I do think it'll at least bridge the gap, get us there. And maybe, you know, maybe people start, start to say, hey, look, I loved just the wildness of that Bear Lake brawl, you know, as an age grouper. That's what I came to triathlon for. I want to do more of that. So we could definitely see a shift. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Well, thank you so much for going out in the rain and the wind and putting on all your clothes and oh. camping in a field <laughs> to bring us the story. <laughs> That's right. That's how we work. Many of us have heard of supplementing our training with CoQ10 for energy and recovery. Well, MitoQ is a unique form of CoQ10 specially engineered to get inside the mitochondria to help create cellular energy and neutralize free radicals. It helps improve recovery, immunity, digestion, sleep, and stress, all of which will help you train better and be healthier. To learn more about the unique formula of MitoQ, independent clinical trials, and athlete testimonials, visit www.mitoq.com. That's M-I-T-O-Q.com. All right, this week we're talking to Angela Nath, a uh, many-time winner of many things. And Angela, right now it just seems like you're involved in everything. You have your Race Like a Girl Tri Team. You were posting about like the new tri-singles dating site. You're doing Our Hawaii from Home. <laughs> what else do you have going on? You have so many things going on. Yeah, you know, throughout this time through COVID, I just, I really wanted to expand what I was doing and I had a lot of time. <laughs> like a lot of people, I think. So the way that I do things is if I think of something that's fun and creative, I just kind of go all in with it and see what happens. So it's kind of like throwing a bunch of eggs on the wall and, and having some fun with it. Um, but I started, um, so I got a grant from USAT uh, to kind of support women a bit more. And so I created um, a website and app called uh, grittytogether.com. And it's basically an online community. It's free to join. Um, and it's just kind of trying to connect a bunch of women together, um, wherever they are. The great thing about the app is you can see how close people are to you. So I actually met about 10 people just in my area, which was really oh. awesome. Um, so yes, I have that. And then my team, I race like a girl. I think this is our fifth year and it's, that's just changed my life. It's just so much fun. I've met so many great friends on there and we're just a close knit group and, um, we have zoom calls all the time. It's just, it's just a blast. And, uh, yeah. And then there's a few things that I've just kind of affiliated myself with that they, they wanted some help and support. And so I just kind of, I had the extra time. So decided to kind of jump on board and, and help out. Yeah. I mean, it seems like you're just, you do so many different things and you weren't, you didn't really even become a triathlete till like later, like 27 or whatever. What is yes. your background? I mean, what's your background in that? What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was a track athlete and right. uh, went to school in Missouri, uh, got a master's in physical therapy, went back home to Canada. And I, and I, I, I honestly thought I would never come back to the States. And, but I, I was really into riding my bike. And so okay kind of found a triathlon that was close by to my hometown, which is way up north in, in BC. And so I drove there and it was pool swim and, and I just really wanted to be active. And I ended up having um, such a fun time that I was, that I just went all in with it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go the next one. And um, just kind of tried to do what I could in sw um, swimming. I mean, that was the hardest part <laughs> of it all. Um, and yeah, I mean, ever since then, it's just all about triathlon. All about triathlon all the time. I read oh, well, you. No, uh, no, no. <laughs> I read you. Uh, you saw Kona on TV as a kid, right? And and like, yeah, that yeah. you even remembered that. It's... Yeah, when I was ten years old, I remember seeing Kona, and I thought it was just the coolest thing. I was always a very athletic kid, um, but I never really jumped into triathlon. I just always thought about it and knew about it. I swam a little bit in college. I mean, not competitively at all. Um, and I, and I bought a bike to get around my college and stuff. And, and, uh, yeah, I just, I just love the sports. And when I found out about this triathlon that was close by, I'm like, yeah. I would love to do that. So I just decided to jump okay. in. Okay. And I mean, that's kind of crazy though, at 27, do your first triathlon and then still go pro. You've still been pro for 10 years now, full time, yep. right? So that's, yep. <laughs> it's actually like a pretty long time, but how at that age, 
how do you decide like, hey, you know what, this is what I'm going to change my path. I'm going to do this instead. Yeah, well, I think it was actually 25 when I oh, started, okay. but I turned pro when I was 27. Okay, okay. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, I, I, uh, I just wasn't happy. I wasn't, I was, uh, I was working full time as a physio and, you know, it was a great job. I worked with kids and, and orthopedics, but there was just this longing for me for adventure. And so I, I found a triathlon camp in California and, um, met a coach down there and just loved the lifestyle. And I just, I said, you know, you got one chance in life to, to see what happens. And so I just, I booked a ticket South and, and, <laughs> and really dived in. <laughs> Did you book a ticket back to, or were you just like, nope? Yeah. Well, I kind of, it was, it was a rough go. Like I slept in tents. I lived in people's homes, in their basements. Like I literally left Canada with 2000 in my pocket, got a visa to come to the States for long-term. And I mean, it was, it was, small pickings. Like, <laughs> um, I actually went back home when I was 27. So when I got my pro card, I raced a little bit, I didn't make any money and I had no money. And so I begged my parents that I could live with them. And they, and they said, look, you got one shot. And so I worked <laughs> for six months, um, as a full-time physical therapist, just banked as much as I could of money and then said, okay, I'll try it one more time. If if I don't make it and I can't be on my own, then okay, I'll go back to physio. And so that was kind of like the fire that kind of got me, I think, where I am today. You know, I I, I just raced a ton. I, I think in 2010, I raced, I mean, I don't know how many halves. Like I raced every third weekend just because I had to make money. I, I had okay. to see what I could do. So I mean, it paid off, right? It worked. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, overall, it was it, it's been fantastic. It's a uh, I've had ups and downs just like a right. lot of people, but, um, I mean, I wouldn't change anything. I definitely love the sport and, and, and love what I do. So you've been, I mean, you moved to California cause you wanted a camp. You've like, you've moved uh, yeah. other places. You've moved all over the place. You've changed like coach a few times. It's like, hard. Yeah. I even had to ask somebody like, wait, where is she now? Like, what is she doing now? Um, you feel like you've learned like a lot from all those different coaches and all those different spots. Yeah, actually. So the underlining process has always been Mark Allen. So when okay. my first coach was Chucky V and we actually dated for about four or five years, um, he, he really learned a lot of stuff from Mark Allen. And so it was, it, it was all heart rate based. And, and, um, so then when we decided to kind of go separate ways, I was searching for a coach and I seeked out Mark Allen because mm-hmm. I just, that's how I trained. So I worked with him for a couple of years and then, um, my training partner, Doug McLean, he worked with QT2 Systems and he always talked about them. And I talked to Jesse on the phone and um, I was ready to make a switch because I wanted more of a group dynamic and, and just really a lot more about nutrition. I had a horrendous race down in Australia um, because of my nutrition. And I knew that Jesse did a lot of that. And so I reached out to him and we talked more and more and he helped me with my nutrition side. And then eventually I said, well, you know, I, I, maybe we should try this this coaching thing. And so um, I jumped on board with QT2 and I've been with QT2 for probably five or six years. Um, then when I was diagnosed with some Lyme issues, my boyfriend works for QT2 and it was he and he's also a coach. Mm-hmm. And so it was really hard to train me because I didn't know what what was going on in the first place. And right. I thought I was going crazy. So I asked him, I said, can you help me? Because I don't know how to deal with this. And so I just transferred to Tim and he coached me for a couple of years. Um, but now I'm back with Jesse. So oh, okay. I, I haven't changed that much. It's just, um, I mean, it's all in the same realm. Right. I, it's all the same. Like it always just, it, you're just like, you're just always like in different places and doing different things. And yeah, I, uh, yeah well, yeah. I mean, I lived in California when I was with Chuck. We literally lived everywhere because we didn't have a home. <laughs> I finally bought a home, like a small little condo in Tucson, um, but that didn't last very long. Um, and then I lived in Vegas for a couple of years. I would always go back and forth to Boulder. Um, so I, I lived there. I have a place there. And then I met Tim. And so uh, he's an East Coast boy. Um, so made me come over here. <laughs> so now, so now I'm here. <laughs> okay. Now you're, now you're on the East coast. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I heard, or I read that you, I mean, obviously you just said you and Mark Allen kind of underpinned a lot of your, and you still have a folder of th- things Mark yes. has said to you on your yes. computer. He's, he's such an amazing guy. Like a lot of the training, it wasn't really even about training with him. It was about getting my mindset. Like he is just so into like, into life like he's so he's so in tune and so I would write like some 
some crazy questions, like like but like very existential questions, and he would just come back with paragraphs and paragraphs, and it just it just made sense to me. And he was just so calming, and he was just so supportive, and. So I just have a folder of like almost every single email we have gotten back and forth because I feel it's gold, you know, like it's pure gold to me. <laughs> so That's amazing. What do you, um, I mean, that's just interesting. You said mindset. Cause like, obviously that's like a really hard part of triathlon. What do you feel like has been, you know, kept you so, so strong mentally over the years? Um, I think, I mean, I, I actually, I just love it. I, I, I just love, love it. seeing, seeing, seeing what I can do. You know, I, I've worked full time before. Mm-hmm. I, um, and I just, I, I wasn't happy doing that. And so when I found triathlon, I was happy and I found joy in, in, in the process, you know, mm-hmm. in the journey. And so I think, you know, if you find something that you truly love and, and want to see it through, then I mean, you're going to stick it through. I, I don't know. I mean, it's quite simple. <laughs> it's quite simple. Well, there you go, guys. See, it's easy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you did mention Lyme, and obviously we should talk about that because you basically had these like mysterious illness. I mean, illness isn't even the right word. You basically you couldn't figure out what was wrong. It was terrible. Yeah. And then eventually yeah. you figured out you had Lyme disease. But t- I mean, you thought you had like a broken hip at one point. You thought maybe you just had the flu. You like couldn't walk. I mean, it sounds nuts. It is. So it started like uh, November of 2017 and I was just getting these weird odds and pains. I just came back from Bahrain and I said, oh, well, it's probably long travel and stuff. And we took some time off, but I just couldn't run. Like I just kept getting like sore quads and like um, my my hips would just ache and just like I was I I couldn't sleep. I was getting hot and cold flashes, Mm -hmm. like all this crazy stuff, like things like I was like, what is going on with me? And um, but it was really tough. Like it was it was mentally very, very tough. And, uh, it just got worse and worse. It got to a point where I went out for a four mile run one day and I just, okay, just run four miles. I don't care how slow it is or whatever, but I literally ran two miles out and I, and my body just like shut down and I couldn't walk. Like I, I mean, I, like I couldn't run anymore. And so it took me like two hours that day to walk home. My legs turned to bricks. It was just nuts. Like just everything you can imagine went wrong. Like, and there, like I got three three different MRIs because I thought I broke a bone each time because it was such excruciating pain. Everything came back clear. And so I went to Boston Children's. I went to all sorts of things. And everyone thought it's just a virus or, you know, it's in my head. Um, And I just, I knew something was wrong. (laughs) It's tough. Yeah, I would would imagine. I mean, you got to tell the doctors, like, come on, I'm Angela Day. I'm like, like, deal with this. (laughs) It's not in my head. (laughs) Yeah, but like, I honestly started believing that maybe it was in my head because it just didn't make any sense. And so finally, a friend of mine who fixed my foot that was broken a couple of years ago, he put a plate in it. He really knew me. And I said, Neil, I don't know what's going on. Like, I'm going crazy. Like, I, 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 something's seriously wrong with me. And then he's like, well, well, have you, well, have you ever thought of Lyme? And I'm like, well, I was tested for it. It was fine. He's like, yeah, but sometimes those don't work very well. And so he sent me to his friend who's a doctor. And he basically said, you have Lyme. I'm going to do all these tests on you. And so long story short, they came back positive. I went on a slew of antibiotics. Um, and it was brutal because you, like every time you take in an antibiotic, it's kind of like, chemo almost so you have all this bacteria built up inside you that causes all this craziness you take the antibiotics it kills off the bacteria but then that makes you even more sick and it's just a long-term process so that year 2018 it took me forever like I could train some but it was like I was I was going like a quarter of the speed that I could because I just couldn't do it anymore but I but Tim at that time, he said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I would love to get to Kona. And so that was our goal. And so I traveled all over the world. I went as hard as my body could allow me to. Like, it's kind of like you just don't have have your muscles. Like a full strength muscle can work really, really well. But but when you have Lyme and you're treating it, it works at like 20% capacity. Like I was running nine minute miles, 10 minute miles in my marathons because I I literally couldn't go any faster. Right. Um, so anyways, I finally felt better. And so we got, so, so we got off the antibiotics and then I just kind of went up like this and it was great. Had a great time in Kona and it was fantastic. Well, yeah, I mean, I think we got like pause for a second. You got eighth. It was crazy. (laughs) Yeah. But like, I mean, let's talk about that a second, but like, tell us a little more about Lyme because I think a lot of people, I mean, first off, 
you know, I think we interviewed you on like a podcast I used to do with Sarah Gross or talked yeah. about, and we had a number of people say chronic Lyme isn't a thing that's made up. Like it's not a real disease. So there's like a lot of controversy. Yeah. I would tell those people they have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> like they have no clue. So, so Lyme you can get by a tick. So right. it's basically a bacterial infection. And, and within that you can also have co-infections. So when I was diagnosed, I had three, so I had Lyme and two other co-infections. And you have to take a variety of antibiotics to kill them. The controversy is like you only need about 30 days of antibiotics and you're clear. But the problem is Lyme changes form. It gets really deep in your system. And if you don't kill even one of them, it'll it'll just proliferate over time. And that's kind of what happened is I took a bunch of antibiotics, but they change form and they go into kind of like a hibernation mode. Hmm. So you feel good because they're not active. But then once you get off the antibiotics and four or five months go by, they can slowly start to grow again. And that's where the chronic Lyme comes in because they're not being treated properly. And I didn't know any of this. I learned this over the last two years. Like it, it, it's, it's absolutely nuts to me that this, this disease, they call it, is, is just not known more about like right. um i've i've done so much research on this because <laughs> it's just been crazy um so i so i so i've been on and off antibiotics for the last like three years and it's been rough like it's like if like if the anti if the antibiotics stop working they can slowly creep up and so you have to really dive into like how to kill all of them and you have to take these so they can create these films around them and then the antibiotics don't work um so you have to take like something else to kill that off. And a lot of it is natural supplements. Um, so like, well, like right now, because of COVID, I, I already have my slot for next year for worlds. I decided, you know, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a number of case studies out there that have done like a really high dose of this really, really strong antibiotic, which I wanted to get on two years ago, but my doctor's like, it'll annihilate you. Like, it, like if you want to be an athlete, you can't do it. Right. But I got to a point in March this year thinking like, okay, COVID's happening. Like everything's going to be transferred over to the next year. I'm going to hit this hard. And so that's what I've been doing. I I, I went on this hard uh, protocol and it's annihilated me. It's put, it's put me on the couch a few days. Definitely. I should say probably a lot more than a few days. Um, but you go through these ups and downs and I'm kind of halfway through it. I have about four more weeks left and, you know, my I'm, I'm getting better. Um, but it's, it's, it's something that really just, you have to get all the forms of the bacteria. And, um, this is the only protocol that people have found any type of remission from it. Hmm. And the, and, and sometimes, yes, people can get Lyme and they can get treated with antibiotics and they go off fine. And right, like, right. Like a lot of like, that's just like normal, yeah. like you got bit by yeah. a tick, you have antibiotic yeah. right away and it goes yeah. away, but sometimes but it goes chronic. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It does. And it's, it's, it's because you have co-infections or because you didn't get it treated right away. Like when things were going on, I didn't get treated for five months because I didn't know what it was, you know, whereas if you knew you got bitten by a tick, you can get treated, you know, within days and be okay. Um, but, but it, but it's a lot more complicated than that. It's, it's, um, I mean, it's, it's very, it's, it's something that's, that's really changed my life. I've done a few talks about it in Mm -hmm. front of, conferences and stuff and I'm very passionate about like I have tons of people come and talk to me because I I'm very open with it and my goal after this is actually the doctor I have now I do conferences or conference calls with him in Texas because he was a gynecologist and I found him through like forums and all this stuff like it's just nuts how I've how much I've researched but this guy um he was a gynecologist and he got Lyme his wife got Lyme and his son had Lyme and so he actually just treated himself the last two years, but he was, he became so passionate about it because there was, there was no help for him anywhere. He researched all the doctors in the, in the U S and he finally found things that have helped him. And he's worked with like tons of patients. Um, but he's really quiet about it. And, um, but somehow I found him through people from people to people and uh, he's been fantastic and so he's got me on this really strong protocol I basically email him every day we do blood labs like every week because like it makes you really really anemic and all sorts of stuff and um but but my goal is to come out of it really really strong because uh that's you know obviously the goal and I really want to just like 
support him because um like explain how this works and like because i go on these facebook groups um i don't, like there there's like 15,000 people in them and they all have lyme and like no one knows anything of how to treat it half the doctors have no idea what it is and it's just sad like there's so many people in pain and it's um i mean it's 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 giving me a lot of drive to like get back to pure health and 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 like help others because it's it's something that it like it takes over your life if you don't know what it is, you know? Right, for sure. And I mean, there's a lot of interesting kind of history around like, you know, not believing some people about their pain. I think I think a professional athlete, though, you kind of are like, hey, look, like they understand how to deal with pain. They understand like their bodies, like they're not, this isn't like yeah. psychosomatic, you know? So, exactly. So so hopefully you're on this really strong antibiotic. You well, come back. I'm, on, I'm on about 50 pills a day, <laughs> okay. if I can even explain it to you. But they're all like, like there's there's this um, experimental um, drug that has come out that they found at Stanford University that is so so what they did is they took like five thousand drugs that were off the shelf, and they tried to see if it would kill Lyme. And the one that came back that would kill Lyme is is um, is antabuse, which is something you give alcoholics to because so like if you ingest alcohol, it makes you really really sick. Mm-hmm. But they found that it killed a bunch of spirochetes, which are the Lyme, and so. So I'm doing I'm doing this that that's been out there for three years now for Lyme and then this huge de- this this protocol and and the doctor in Texas is, is like I have never met anyone like you like if people take all this stuff they are just they're just in bed and I said well I mean like uh, like it's just my mindset like <laughs> we, like we got to kill this stuff you know and so I really went hardcore and um, it was the best time so I so. Overall, COVID is, is has really been a benefit in that sense because it's allowed me to like <laughs> to do this. just go all in and and go for it. So. Okay, okay, and then and then hopefully you'll be better. You'll come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like 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 what I was trying to do, I guess now that I look back at it, is is kind of like a band aid approach. Like mm-hmm. I can take these antibiotics and start feeling really good and train and race. But is it ever going to be gone, you know? And and I told my 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 original doctor, I'm like, I want to be an athlete, like, as long as possible. And he's like, well, if you go on this protocol, you won't be able to race. Um, right. And so that's why I never really did it. And so um, I really did some research into it. And, you know, it's only four, four more weeks and, and I should be done with all the antibiotics. And so, um, I mean, it's just – it was good timing because <laughs> – the slot got transferred over to 2021 right. and um, it'll just, it'll okay. all work out. It all case. works out. It all works out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it has before. So <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, let's talk about like how it all worked out. I mean, you were really, really sick in 2017, 2018, you're going through all those treatments and then, yeah. and then you were trying to get back to Kona and I don't remember which, it was one of the races in Europe, Hamburg, Copenhagen, and you actually like didn't get your spot and there was like all this controversy and you had to appeal. It was crazy. Yeah. So the, so that, so back then they did points. Right. Um, and I was just trying, like, I think I did five or six Ironmans in four months. Like it was, it was quite, quite crazy, but, uh, <laughs> I did it. And there was one race where two of my competitors missed a swim buoy. So they skipped a whole swim buoy. Um, and you know, that's, that's, that's not allowed. You have to be on the course Generally and do the whole speaking, course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, but like I didn't know about this until after the race, and um, there was there was video recordings and all this stuff, and so I put in an appeal, talked to a few others that were at the race, and they appealed with me. So there was three of us that appealed it because um, it would have changed the whole the whole dynamics of everything, and it took a long time. It was very frustrating because you know the rules were set in stone, and and. Uh, um, the 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 two gals the one gal that that uh went through the buoy she said yes i did that and you know i didn't realize it but i totally understand that i'm dq'd because that's the rules the other one was not as happy about it um even though like it wasn't there i mean it wasn't it wasn't up to us to make the decision right. it was up it was up to everyone else so eventually it came to that the that the appeal won um and so they transferred over the slots um in terms of the placings um and i i was i it was um it wasn't like and then i raced again after that um and so the accumulative points got me into coda over time right right right. 
it was yeah back when it was points it was like complicated you had to do all this yes. math and figure it out yeah, but yeah you, you i remember though because you just got in but then you ended up eighth so it was like well guys see she deserved yeah. to be here so <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was it was um i i i think that was probably one of my best races so far just in terms of everything i i i went into that race with no expectation i was just so happy to be there grateful I, I I was off antibiotics for a couple months since the ordinal, like five weeks, I think. And when you're on antibiotics, your body feels like crap half the time right. anyway. And so I just started getting better and better. And I think it was the mindset too. It was just like, I was so grateful to be there. No matter what, I'm crossing that finish line. And I just, it was just a magical day. Like I just, I just gave it all I had. And like, I literally had, all, that. that's all I had that day. <laughs> and it was, um, it was just a, it was just phenomenal. I mean, I, I had such a blast. Okay. Good. Was that, what's your, was that your favorite race? I was going to say, what's like your favorite race you've done? <laughs> uh, favorite race is in St. Croix. So oh, okay. they don't have the Ironman or half there, but I did, I did help out last year when it wasn't part of Ironman. Um, but it's just a magical little island. Like the whole mm-hmm. island is just so much fun in my home state. I've been there a few times and it's always the same person and um, we just have a blast. So. That's my favorite. <laughs> yeah. That, everyone always says that race is great. So oh, I wish I like it got canceled this year, of course, but hopefully it comes back next year. It's um, it is awesome out there. And what are your plans? I mean, obviously you have your Kona spot already. That's like on the yes. horizon. What else do you have? Like, I still want to achieve before I, before I'm done. Um, well, I would love to see all the continents of the world. <laughs> I haven't been to all of them. I mean, originally I went into the sport to see, to, to travel too, right. you know? And so that's, that's still part up there. I definitely don't feel I, I, I have had my best race, like a lot of people say, but I, I truly believe I haven't. Um, so I really would love to contend at Kona, which I mean, I get to do next year. Um, and I just want to race more, more Ironmans. I think I've, I've done seven or eight of them, maybe, maybe a bit more. But I, I really would love to um, qualify again for the following year and just right. and just continue forward. You know, I um, I know people sometimes say think that some as you age, you uh, you know, you should be bumped out of the sport or pro. But I I'm I'm gonna be like Meredith. I'm gonna race until You're gonna be here I forever. can't race anymore. Yeah, I just love it. And like actually, she's on my team that we have in. Um, in Zwift, so we a lot of so we do a lot of team time trials, and I really look up to Meredith. She's a fantastic advocate for the sport, and to see that she's I think she's 44, 45, and um and still just like in love with the sport. I mean that's that's what I want, you know, and I, I want to help inspire other people to do that because I mean age is just a number. Like she's a badass, and <laughs> and she's so much fun, and I love having her on the team, and we and it's just that's what life's about. You know, you, you do what you can when you can and, and see what you have. So, okay. Um, so you're going to race forever. We're going to see you out there yeah. pulling like a DD at 50. It'll be great. Yeah. Well, yeah, she's, she's another one. That's just like, wow. And then also Natasha Badman. I've always looked up to her just, just seeing that, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool. I, uh, I, I mean, you obviously did 70.3s forever. You only moved into Ironman later. And I think you even did like yeah. your first marathon in your first Ironman, right? Like, yeah. yeah. Which is crazy. Cause yeah, you said, you know, Natasha, you like saw her crash in front of you in a race and then, and then come back by you in bandages, which is crazy. So. Yeah. She, that was in Panama and uh, it was, it was terrible. She was like 10 meters ahead of me and her front wheel went in a crevice and we were going like pretty fast and she just hit that pavement. I'm like, Oh my gosh. And so I looked back and it was like a mile and a half from transition. And so then I started running and it was like a three loop course. And I then, so I did the first loop and then I saw her on the second loop coming out and I passed her. I'm like, Oh my gosh, are you okay? And she's, and, and she's, and I can't remember the exact words, but she said, you don't quit. You're going to feel worse if you quit. And she trucked that, half marathon and like she was fully bandaged up I, th- I think she broke her collarbone oh and she's God. still like smiling as ever like she's just phenomenal like yeah that that kind of instilled a lot of like grit in me I think is okay. is just her mindset for sure awesome and so I mean obviously you've started a lot of other things you started your race uh I raced like a girl team a couple years ago mm-hmm. what prompted you to start that like just to get more women out there to get more 
people? Um, well, you know, I used to travel a lot and go to homestays. Mm. Um, that's how I, I really honestly was able to travel as much. And I'm so grateful for that because it, you know, the sport's very expensive. And I, and I met a lot of people throughout, throughout everywhere. And, um, and, um, because I traveled so much, like I never lived in one spot. I never really had a very close knit community. Hmm. And so I was going through divorce. I moved to Boulder and I just, I was just kind of not in love with the sport anymore. And I, and, and I, I started kind of thinking like, well, how can I find, find joy again? And I started thinking back to when I first started the triathlon, it was, it was all about the community I was in, you know, when I lived up in Prince George and I lived in Penticton and, just meeting all these people and like my homestays. And I said, well, I want to create that more globally. And I'm very passionate because I'm a female. So I wanted to have more female in the sport. Um, my mom, she used to never swim, bike or run. And when I was growing up, you know, I got her to run. And then she went in the pool when she was like 42, you know, and learned to swim. And it was all just because I, because I was there. And so I thought, well, that, that, that was really an amazing mm-hmm. thing to me. And so it just kind of stemmed from all those little things and um, uh, uh, decided just to put things on paper, put it on, put it on a website and it just kind of slowly grew, grew from there. I, I got a lot of my sponsors and supporters behind me on it. Um, they loved the idea and, um, and they really helped me create it as well. And they still do today. They, they support it amazingly. And, you know, I just tried to uh, create a cohesive group and, um, you know, I've been to races in the last couple of years with a group of us that uh, like I met them on the team and we all got an Airbnb together. And I think there was 10 of us and it was just so much fun. And, and, and it's just all different ages, shapes, sizes, you know, there's, there's beginners, there's pros. And it's just, it just brings it back to like, why, why we do this sport, you know, as a professional, sometimes you get kind of locked into this, into this, this small group. And, mm-hmm. Um, you know, this has expanded me so much. And, and, uh, you know, there's just like, there's a gal on the team. She's so outspoken and she just is a hardcore gal and she, and she's not a pro by any means. And I just love her to death because she has so many qualities that I don't necessarily have. And she pushes me so much. And, um, and I tell her this, like, like I'm always just very quiet if something really hurts me or something. And she's just like, screw that. <laughs> it's, just, it's just awesome. So like, it's, she's like a big sister to me on the team. And, um, it's just been, it's just been really a change in my life. It's, it's awesome. I don't have kids, you know? And so, uh, so you have the a team, team has really okay. created my community. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen your mom with you at races now too. Right. So yeah, sometimes she comes. Um, okay. She's been to Mexico with me a few times. Right, right. That's her favorite. Okay. But uh, other than that, she likes to stay back because <laughs> she gets very nervous. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. But your parents, I would imagine now, you know, since the, okay, you get one shot, fine, you can live with us yeah. for six months. They've come around, right? <laughs> they, 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 they've come around. My mom's my bookkeeper, so she knows exactly everything I do. And um, no, they're, they're very, they're very supportive um, for sure. Um I wish I could see them more. They're up in Northern Canada and I only see them really at Christmas time or if uh, at a couple races, if they come down, but how, um, have you guys, I mean, during all this COVID times, obviously it's been like somewhat good for you to be able to do your full treatment, but obviously you can't really go to Canada. You can't really travel. Um, how, like, what have you been doing and how have you been dealing with all that right now? Um, well, it's, it's funny. I think like everyone in March when this happened, we're like, Oh, we'll be racing in a couple months. And so, you know, I tried to do it that way. So I, so I didn't start this treatment until July, really. Um, I wish I would have started earlier because I didn't know what, what was going on, but you always just have this hope that something's going to come up. And so I actually reached out to my sponsors and I, and, and I said, I, you know, a lot of people need support right now. So why don't we make challenges? And, and, mm-hmm. and so I did a lot of, like, I did a time trial series on Zwift. I raced in Zwift. Um, I did my own little virtual races with people. And that, that was actually a lot of fun because um, it just kind of connected me back with the community a bit more because everyone was stuck inside. Um, and so with my family and stuff, we've done Zoom calls and right. stuff like that. Um, and I'm crossing my fingers that I'll be able to call home for Christmas. Um, 
right now I can go home. I just have to quarantine for two weeks, right? which I don't necessarily want to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and at Christmas, you know, Tim is American. And so for him to come across the border, it's not essential. So I don't really want to not have Christmas with him. So uh, we're, we're seeing what happens. Okay. But we are, we have a very traditional Christmas at home. We have stockings, we have like turkey dinner and all this stuff. And I said, if we're not doing that, we are we are doing it all. I'm I'm gonna cook the turkey. <laughs> We're gonna have a big screen TV with my family and Okay. So, all right. We'll, You're gonna go so all we'll out. Okay. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> the food might not be very very tasty, but But you'll <laughs> have it all. Right. We yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean it does seem like you have a I mean you just said a whole bunch of Zwift races and virtual challenges. It seems like you always have stuff going on. What's your favorite out of all the different like random things you have going on? Well, they're not really that random. They're well, just fine. They're just fun. all. <laughs> yeah. um, I coach athletes, and okay. I really, really love that. Okay. Um, but it's the team. It's um, it's really the team. Uh, we have so much fun, and you know, I create challenges challenges within the team. Mm-hmm. Um, we do a lot of calls with each other about all sorts of things. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's the community that I absolutely have put everything into because it's um it's changed me i mean i honestly love it so how many is a lot of people now right it's like the largest women's team yeah i think we have like 350 right now and so we actually changed the process um because i was um it's getting quite big and i have some people helping me now that we're team members and stuff and so we're doing an application process now um and it's hard because i don't want i never want to be like be exclusive that's Mm -hmm. that that's not the goal but i want i want people that really want to be on the team um and so we just kind of changed that process this year um uh but yeah we'll see we'll see what happens it's the first year that we've we've kind of done it this way so okay all right yeah well that's cool um usually you know obviously i ask people like where what their goals are where they're going from here right now it's sort of up in the air what kind of plans do you have coming up is there anything we should know about yeah well i would love well i don't know what's happening in terms of challenge daytona it's kind of <laughs> a secret to everybody <laughs> i've been I, inquiring oh you have? i know there's okay. wild car slots and there's um there's a drop like everything's kind of open-ended right now for that so but i would love to go to do that race um and then um you know my my biggest goal is kona next year and so talking with my coach and kind of where I'm at now, we're just kind of progressing it. I mean, I know it's a long ways off. It's it's, it's over right. a year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I will race as much as I can once I feel things are kind of safe around here. Like I know there's some small races going on mm-hmm. and stuff, but the reason I chose not to do them is it's just quite honestly, it's nuts here. <laughs> I, I, you're I, in Boston, I, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. So when this all happened, everything shut down mm-hmm. and everything, and we're actually doing really, really well here, but you know, I, my boyfriend watches the news like crazy. And so I'm very much into it. And, you know, I've done a podcast in Aust- like with a guy in Australia, I've talked to my family at home and those countries are so different to yeah. what the U S is. It's, it's, it's like, I just shake my head. Like, I, I mean, I know I live here and I love living in, in America, but I, I'm a true Canadian. <laughs> oh, like, no, are you not an American? I just wish I lived at home. <laughs> are you, you don't have like American citizenship? You can't vote? I, actually, it's funny. So in uh, March, I applied for it. Oh. And so it's in process right now. But because of COVID, I, I, it's, it's just being on a shelf. So um, I have a green card, of course. Um, but I did decide because, you know, actually what made me decide to get to get and apply for it is because I want to be able to vote. Right. Like quite honestly, I want to vote. <laughs> right. Right. So <laughs> Okay. <yeah>. Okay. <laughs> I will usually we finish with a would you rather. Um here's my would you rather for you. It's like a little tricky. You ready? Mm-hmm. Would you rather be healthy again, but you can't but you like can't really race anymore. Or be able to get a few more races in, but you're not healthy yet. <laughs> um that's such a tough question because <laughs> I am definitely a true at heart racer. Um, I wouldn't. Okay. How about we say this? Okay. I, I would race, but not to the extent that it would hurt me long-term. Right. right and right. so far, nothing I've done is hurting me long-term. I just, I'm not like, you're yeah. Just, you're delaying. That's, that's easy. Okay. Well, I mean, it's not necessarily delaying. It's just that I didn't know, like right. I didn't know how to treat this, right. you know? And I, it, it took two years to learn how to do it. Um, it's, it's, it's quite, 
frustrating, but mm-hmm. uh, I finally, you could ask me anything online. I think I could <laughs> a dissertation on it. I probably should write something and get a PhD in it because honestly, I have spent so much time researching this thing. Where um, is the, where do you think the tick uh, came from that you got it from? Well, when I moved to Boston and hung out with my boyfriend, we would go for a lot of walks and I just never knew anything about ticks or Lyme or anything. And I remember pulling off ticks off our dogs and I was like, oh, these, these are just these nasty buggers. But then uh, one time I scratched something off the back of my head and it was all bloody and I, I, I just didn't think anything of it. I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. About a month later, my lymph nodes under my armpits turned to like golf balls um, and that's when I think it originally got, oh, got okay. me because that's kind of the process of what happens. You get kind of flu-like symptoms like a month later. Um, but my lymph nodes were honestly the size of golf balls. Like it was, was so weird. But then but then it went away. But then all these little things started adding up. So. Did you ever have the uh, the bullseye? Because that's what always freaks me out is that you, can, no. you don't, if the people who don't have the bullseye. Yep. About 50% of people that get Lyme don't have a bullseye rash at all. So, and like so many people don't even know that they have it quite honestly. Just to freak everybody out. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 I think you should be freaked out. It's awful. (laughs) Well, we, uh, we'll include some links in the show notes too. Uh, yeah. And thank you so much for talking to us and good luck with everything. Good luck with the, the whole treatment protocol. Yeah. I'm almost done. So I'm pretty excited. So I feel good. And, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty awesome to have a doctor that's been through it all. And he knows me like, like it's, he just knows what to do. And it's, um, and he's, and he's done a lot of research. I mean, that's why I, I think it's fantastic. I finally found someone that can, that really knows what they're doing. So, um, I'm pretty stoked and I'm stoked about Kona and I'm very, very excited to get back to that Island. So definitely. Thanks to Angela and Chris, and thanks to all of you. Keep training, keep racing, and keep listening.